Good morning, church, at the uh, 1555 Fairway Drive parking area. Good morning, church, who are watching live streaming. Good morning, church, who are joining us at the recorded uh, sermon and the worship uh, together, joining your hearts with us to honor our God today. Uh, the weather pattern has been erratic. Last weekend was cold, and this weekend is hot. So try your best to find a shade uh, and, and find yourself uh, comfortable. Uh, I don't know if there are still places in the courtyard area that you can squeeze in, or you can grab a chair and sit in the plaza where it is uh, kind of a breezy area, and you can join them there and uh, worship together. But otherwise, you can sit near your car, find a shade, and we will be continuing with our worship together. Uh, I just want to again thank God for the AV teams, for the ushers, uh, for the security, for the traffic control, for the check-in teams that we have week after week. Without them, we will not be able to worship together week after week. And uh, I just want to remind you that when you come together, do put on your mask at all times, and also uh, keep physical distancing as much as you can. If you get closer and if you do happen to touch each other, make sure you wash your hands uh, with sanitizer so that we will be continuing on a regular basis to worship together, although we really, really cherish this outdoor worship. We don't want to have any outbreaks here that may prevent us from ongoing outdoor worship. So the, the COVID-19 continues to spikes in different places, uh, especially in the U.S. It's amazingly closing to 200,000 for a while. Uh, yesterday was 115,000. Just a lot of people. So let's just pay a little bit more attention so that we can really uh, help each other to stay healthy and continue with our lives together. Okay, thank you so much. Uh, when nations have issues and conflicts, they go to the United Nations hoping for a resolution. When communities have issues and conflicts, they bring the leaders together and hopefully they can come up with a resolution. When a family has conflicts uh, in a modern time, usually they go to a counselor, to a psychologist, and try to resolve the conflicts, whether parental and children or between spouses. When church has conflict, when church has an issue, where do you take it to? Well, Paul takes it to the gospel. Paul takes it to the gospel and allow gospel to be what will unify the church together. But what is the gospel? And as the church in Corinth continued to boast about, I follow Paul and I was baptized by Peter and I was discipled by Apollos and therefore I'm very special, that kind of a division happening in the church of Corinth, he reminds them that the gospel, the gospel is the wisdom of God. It's nothing to be boastful of because people look at that very differently. He said, look at the gospel message. It is based on a crucified Messiah. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. It is a folly to the Gentiles, but to those who believe, it is the wisdom of God and the power of God. So do not idolize Peter or Paul or Apollos. Worship Jesus is the key. And in chapter 1, continually, he reminds the recipients of the gospel. Who are the recipients of the gospel? The Christians in the church in Corinth. You. He said, who would have chosen you to be children of God? Impossible. But God has chosen you who are foolish and weak and low and despised to shame those who are wise and strong and somebody in the world. So in a sense, he's reminding the church in Corinth, 
we are on level ground before the cross of Jesus and nobody should boast. So live in unity. And then in chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, last week, when Pastor Henley preached, he said, look at my preaching. I did not come to you in words of wisdom. I come to you and preach about Jesus and him crucified. It appears to be a folly. It appears to be a stumbling to the Jews. But look at you. Look at the result of that preaching. You became Christians. You form, you come together to, uh, to found the church in Corinth. That's the power of the message of Christ and Him crucified. So, church in Corinth, do not elevate gifted individuals. Do not elevate anyone, but elevate the gospel message. Christ and Him crucified. You know, by now, after three messages like that, the church in Corinth should have got it, right? Well, we should not have divisions. We should not have disunity. We should live in peace together. But what happened? They were still not doing that because they don't have the Spirit-revealed wisdom. They are lacking in the Spirit-revealed wisdom, which is what I want to share with you today. Spirit-revealed wisdom. Now, how do we understand that Spirit-revealed wisdom? Okay, let's start with wisdom. Okay, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10, the first part of 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. Let me read to you. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who loved him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. So to help us understand God revealed wisdom, Paul started with wisdom. And he compares, right, the wisdom of God and the wisdom of human. The wisdom of God versus the wisdom of human. In the whole preaching series, until now, you may have the impression that Paul kind of put down wisdom, right? In chapter 1, verse 17, he mentioned that, you know, we don't preach about eloquent wisdom, okay? And then in in, in verse uh, 20, he says that where is the wise of this world? Where are the scribes? And in verse 25, he says, for the foolishness of God is wiser than man. In verse 26, he says, you know, not many of you were wise according to the worldly standard when you were called, right? And in chapter 2, verse 1, he reminded them that when I came to you, I did not come with eloquence of speech, but I come with humility. And in verses 5 and 6, he says, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. So it appears that Paul was not, not high on wisdom. Like, okay, Christians, don't study, you know, don't pass your SAT, don't go to college, right? Uh, the more foolish you are, the better you are. No, that's not the idea. Because in verse 6, he reminded us that yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. That wisdom is imparted to the matured, to the born-again Christians, to those who are growing in Christ. 
and they do have wisdom. But this is not the wisdom of this age. The wisdom that is without God, the wisdom that, has not, that is not inspired by the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that lives for today only, but this is the wisdom that is inspired by the Spirit of God. Nor it is by the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Not the philosophers and sociologists, not the voices around us. Okay? In verse 8 says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. He was pointing to the religious leaders and the political leaders of the days, specifically to the high priest Caiaphas. Caiaphas judged Jesus and sent Jesus to be crucified under Pilate because the Jews do not have the right to sentence capital punishment. And Pilate gave in to the pressure from the crowd and to please the crowd, he released Barabbas and he crucified Jesus. So he was pointing specifically to these two individuals and said, because they do not understand the wisdom of God. That's why when Jesus was hung on the cross, the first word he uttered from his lips were, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. Because they really don't know what they were doing. And they crucified Jesus. So as we look at how uh, things are being evolved by the rulers of the age, by the wisdom of the age, they don't really understand what, uh, what is the wisdom of God. But what is the wisdom that is being imparted to the mature? Verse 17 says, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of our glory. Four things are mentioned about the wisdom of God. First of all, it is revealed. It is hidden. It is secret. But now, in God's time, it is being revealed. It just means that we don't understand, we don't know it, but in God's right timing, He allowed us to know. It is revealed by God. And secondly, it is decreed. God has made it as a, as a decree and, and His eternal will, and it will be done in His time. And thirdly, it is predestined before the ages, before the foundations of the world. He has chosen, He has predestined for this to happen. And finally, it is glorification. It is for His glory that we may share in God's glory because He is the Lord of glory in verse 8. You know, that can be summarized in Galatians chapter 4. Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 to 6 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father, in His right time. He revealed to us the plan of salvation that He predestined, that He decreed before the foundation of the world that we can receive the Holy Spirit by receiving Jesus and asking for God's forgiveness and be reconciled with the Father, that we have the privilege to be called children of God. That's summarized in Galatians so succinctly for us here. That is the wisdom of God. So in verse 9, it says, As it is written, What no eye has seen, no ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. Not by our sensual 
uh, uh, channels, not by our hearing or by our seeing, by our sight or by our rations or thinking. It, it goes beyond that. God's mind and God's thinking is way higher than us. God reveals it in verse 10 says, through the Holy Spirit. Only those with Holy Spirit will understand that the wisdom of God, the gospel is the wisdom of God. Now, what about the Spirit? So now in verses 10 to uh, 13, he makes another comparison. The second comparison is the Spirit of God versus the Spirit of the world. It says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also, no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Some scholars believe that Paul here employs the Greek philosophical principle of only like is known by like. Only human knows human. Only God knows God. And unless God reveals himself to us, we cannot know God. Just like John chapter 1, verse 18 says, no one has ever seen God. The only God Jesus, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. Jesus reveals God to us. Only God knows God. So verse 10 says, For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Meaning, only the Holy Spirit knows God, and only the Holy Spirit can reveal God to us. So in verses 11, 12, and 13, he gave this logical argument for us to understand that. First of all, only our own spirit knows what our individual thoughts have. Verse 11 says, For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thought of God except the spirit of God. Right? All the thoughts that you have, it's reserved for your own knowledge only unless you share it with another person. You may have a crush of a certain individual that you love, but you are afraid to express yourself. But who knows it? Only you know it, or unless you tell your closest friends, or unless you tell it to that person to express your love, right? Your jealousy against a certain person, only you know it. Well, we try to look for traces and, and, and indications and hints here and there, but to be certain, unless you admit to it, unless you confess it, well, nobody knows it. Your spirit will know what you are thinking. In the same way, God's spirit will know the thoughts of God, right? And secondly, now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Now, only God knows God. Only the spirit can reveal God's thinking. Now we have the spirit. We Christians, having received the sonship through the adoption of God, through the work of Christ on the cross, are given the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will guide us to understand the things freely given us by God. What are the things freely given us by God? That's our salvation. That's the gospel. That's Christ 
and Him crucified. The Holy Spirit will help us understand God's salvation, redemption, substitutional death on the cross on our behalf for the salvation of mankind. Now, thirdly, after he mentioned it, the Spirit knows the individual thoughts and we have the Spirit of God in us. Now, we can know God's thought that the Spirit revealed to us. In verse 13, he says, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Spirit teaches. And interpreting spiritual truth, the Spirit teaches us the, the truth, the Word of God, to those who are spiritual, to those who has the Holy Spirit in their hearts. So when the Spirit comes in us, the Spirit reveals God's truth to us, and when we teach and explain that truth to another person with the Holy Spirit's conviction, with the Holy Spirit in their heart, that person will respond to God. That's how it works, and that's how it will be for us to continue to understand the Spirit-revealed wisdom so that we can understand God. And John chapter 14, 26 reminds us that the Holy Spirit, the Father, will send in my name, Jesus said, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. And in John chapter 16, verse 13, again, Jesus said, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. It was through the Holy Spirit that we are able to understand God. Now, with the Spirit-revealed wisdom given to us, we should be able to keep the unity of the church. There should be no divisions in the church in Corinth. What happened? But what happened? Now, Paul takes us to the next important truth and teaching to help us to understand why it did not show and demonstrate in the church in Corinth. And he makes a comparison between the spiritual person and the natural person, verses 14 to 16. He says, A spiritual person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but he is himself to be judged by no one. For one who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. This is a very important section now. It helps us to understand why the church in Corinth became Christian, having Holy Spirit in their hearts, but yet they are still not living in peace, living in unity, living in, in uh, acceptance of each other, not to be boastful, and, and, and continue to uh, have, build a strong church together. Now, it makes a comparison between the natural person and the spiritual person. The natural person, of course, is an unbeliever, those without the Holy Spirit. It says three things about the natural person here. First of all, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Of course, there's no Holy Spirit in him. He will not accept that. There's no Spirit in him. Secondly, a natural person uh, uh, is folly to him. To them, Christ is, is foolish. To them, the gospel is foolish. To them, Christ and His crucified is failure. It's not salvation. It's not redemption. It doesn't work that way. They don't have spirit to reveal, to illuminate them, to understand it. And thirdly, He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Unless they have the Holy Spirit, 
things of redemption, things of salvation can only be discerned spiritually by the Holy Spirit. And without the Holy Spirit, of course, the natural person has no way to respond to God. But what about the, spirit, the, the spiritual person? Uh, verse 15 says, The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. Here he reminds us that the spiritual person are those with the Holy Spirit they judge all things. They look at all things from God's perspective. They look at all things by the inspired word of God that the Holy Spirit reveals to us, help us to understand, and lead us into the truth of God so that we can understand the truth that is being revealed in the word of God. He says the spiritual person judges all things. He's not saying that a spiritual person will understand all the teachings and philosophies and academics of this world, that you are good in, in, in astronomy, you are good in physics, and you are good in chemistry. No, 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 no. The all things that is mentioned here consistently in the whole passage, it's about salvation. It's about the gospel. It's about Christ and Him crucified. The Spirit will guide us to understand the fullness of salvation of God that is revealed in the scriptures and, and for us to be able to understand and attain that uh, because of the goodness of God. So in John chapter 16, verse 8, it reminds us that when the Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Only when the Spirit convicts us, we will come under the teaching of God's Word and submit ourselves under the teaching of God's Word and be willing to be transformed by the renewing of the mind through the gospel message and through the power of God. They are able to judge all things, but he says, but they are judged by no one. Those without the Holy Spirit will not understand and will not be able to judge those who has the Holy Spirit. Those without the Holy Spirit will not understand why Christians are so gung-ho about worship, why in the midst of, of COVID-19 pandemic that we insist to worship we worship online initially. Later on, when it is possible, we try to worship indoor, but it was not possible. Then we worship outdoor. Sometimes under the call. Sometimes braving the heat, but we come back. We come together. It is important to us. People without the Holy Spirit, they will not understand how important it is for us to worship God together. People without the Holy Spirit will not understand why these AV teams, all these IT professionals, having good jobs in the companies and having good positions in the companies. Come one hour or sometimes an hour and a half when we first started the outdoor worship. Set things up, get things ready, buy different cameras and see which work and what, does, what doesn't work. Try the sound system, make sure the Wi-Fi is working and see helping people to connect. Week after week after week, they took extra time so that we are able to worship in uh, our outdoor worship week after week because of all the works that they have put in. And the ushers coming early, set things up, get this disinfected, make sure it's clean, check your temperatures, make sure we don't pass a virus to each other, and make sure we are healthy, and make sure our little ones and loved ones are healthy. They come early, an hour extra. And, and, and others take care of the traffic and securities and, and check encounters and things like that. They don't understand what's the big deal. Let's go play football. Let's go uh, have a, a round of golf or something like that, it's more pleasure. Let's go eat something. But Sunday morning, this group of people come 
you know, braving heat and braving cold and try to worship their God and sing together and listen to the sermons under such a temperature. They don't understand. They couldn't understand. They couldn't understand why during COVID-19, the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention are still sending missionaries out there to share the gospel. You can't wait. You can't wait for it to be over. Do you have to push it? They don't understand. They don't understand a sister. Her name is Joyce Lin. Joyce Lin graduated from MIT with a bachelor and master's degree. She's a computer expert working 10 years in a, in a good company. God called her. She gave up the career. She went to seminary, graduated in 2017. She joined a mission agency called Mission Aviation Fellowship. They fly small airplanes to remote places where any means of transportation could not reach. You can't even walk. It's high terrain or deep in the jungle. So this fellowship aviation missionaries will fly these missionaries and drop them there so that they can share the gospel with these secluded tribal uh, people so that they can hear the gospel. In May 2020, she flew a small plane in Indonesia and bring all these COVID-19 test kits to a remote village so that they can test whether they have infection. The plane took off in a few minutes. There was malfunction of the engine. The plane fell into a lake and she drowned. She was only 40 years old. They can't understand that. Why? Why do you have to take that route? You have so many choices. The world is open up before you with your degree, with your good education. Why? Why don't you enjoy the middle class life of the American dreams and just, you know, and give money and have somebody else go? They don't understand that. They never understand that. Unless they have the Holy Spirit in their heart, they can remind us, they can inspire us to respond to the Great Commission to make disciples, not in FCBC, not, but to make disciples in all nations, all the nations of the world. And when God called, she responded. They don't understand that. They never understood that. And by quoting Isaiah, Paul continues to remind us in verse 16, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, Who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? Paul says, But we have the mind of Christ. We have the Holy Spirit that re reveals the mind, the thinking of God in whatever that we should be knowing. He revealed it through the teaching of God's Word so that we can understand the heart of God and be responsive to Him. Now, here's the problem. Why didn't Christians in the church of Corinth having the, the, the Spirit revealed wisdom in their hearts still live in division and disunity? Because the spiritual person is not acting like a spiritual person. The spirit-filled person is not acting like a spirit-filled person. The person with the Holy Spirit in the hearts of Christians are not living as what Christians should be. Instead of submitting to what the Spirit will lead us into God's truth, which is to live at peace and live in unity, 
they gave in to the wisdom of the world. They gave in to the spirit of the ages, living for today, living for their pride, living to be arrogant, living to be boastful. Of I follow Paul, he baptized me, I'm disciple by Apollos, and therefore I am superior. When Christians, when those with the Holy Spirit in their hearts, not submitting to the Holy Spirit, then oftentimes we will not be able to let God's glory shine in our church and in our individual lives. Today, I want to remind you through the message today, summarizing the message, that we are called to live in unity according to the wisdom that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us. But remember to submit, to submit to what the Spirit has inspired, has prompted you, and to submit to God's will so that the glory of God may shine in your life and in our church. Today, as I conclude the message, I want to share with you four thoughts. You know, we live in a very confusing world. Many thinking, uh, all kinds of uh, ideologies, you know, uh, different values, uh, fake news, uh, different kinds of theories out there. It's, we, we're living in a very confusing time, okay? From beginning at the COVID-19 in March that comes to the U.S., we begin to lock down uh, online worship, outdoor worship, hoping for the indoor worship. We have, we have fire. Uh, around this area. Uh, we have bad air uh, in this area, bad air pollutions in this area. Uh, we, we face uh, racial tensions. We have presidential elections that further divide our nation. You know, our, our, our world will be more and more divisive and more and more divided. How should we press on as people with spirit-inspired, spirit-revealed wisdom? How do we press on? I want to give you four channels and four areas for you to make decision in a very confused world. First of all, always look at look things from God's perspective. Always look at things from God's perspective. What is God doing today? Pay attention to God. You know, sometimes we look at what's happening around us. We look at events. We look at happenings and just analyze and take that apart and try to find out who is behind all this, what is the propaganda, what they are trying to achieve. But don't just look at human level. Look at God's perspective. John chapter 5, verse 7 reminds us, our Father works. Our, our Father works today. Jesus said, my Father works and I work. God is still working actively today. What's happening around the world? We begin to ask God, what is your working? What are you doing? What are you reminding us with the increase of natural disasters and people's conflicts and divisions and, and tearing apart of relationships and communities? What are you telling us? Are you telling us that unless the gospel is being shared, there's really no reconciliation? Are you telling us, God, that this world is moving in a direction that is preparing for the second coming of Christ? Are you telling us that we better cherish times and opportunities that we have today so that we can be light and salt of the world, so that we can be a witnesses? God, what are you telling us today? God, what are you telling FCBC Walnut today? The pastoral team regularly asks these questions among ourselves. Hey, staff, what is God telling FCBC Walnut? 
And how do we respond to God? How do we align with God? And you should do the same in a world of confusion, in a world of division that we are inheriting. And we'll continue to see that for quite a long while in the future. Secondly, develop a strong biblical worldview. What is a biblical worldview? It is an overarching view of the world based on God's word. How do we look at the world? Where do I stand in this world? A worldview basically answers these questions. Where do I stand in this world? All the worldviews will ask these questions. Where did we come from? Why am I here? What's wrong with the world? How can we fix it? The three fundamental questions of a worldview. Where do we come from? From the biblical perspective, we know that, Lord, we are created by God. We are created by God to manage His creation and also to fellowship with God. What's wrong with the world? Well, because of our rebellion, because of sin, that we are separated from God and we are cursed. The world is cursed. The world is not friendly anymore as God initially intended. And thirdly, how can we fix it? There's no other way except through the redemption of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he will restore the creation ultimately for us. That biblical worldview is what you look at all other things and how you analyze what's happening, how you look at violence, you look at tension, you look at fake news, you look at overload of information, you look at how we are moving forward with the biblical worldview. And we begin to understand that things like that happens because of sin. And, and there's a moral absolute because God created the world. There's miracle. Miracle is God's acting, God's work. And, and there's human dignity because we are created by God. And there's redemption. There's second chance because of Jesus Christ. Then we look at the conflicts, the relationships, and, and, the, and the future uh, in, a, in a pretty doom light, knowing that Christ rules, God reigns in our lives. Have a strong biblical worldview as we look at what's happening around us. So look at things from God's perspective and develop a strong biblical worldview. And thirdly, have strong Christian values when you look at things happening around us. That value is really developed from the worldview. It basically asks the question, what really matters? What is important? What is the priority? You know, some of you champion for a certain agenda. Other people try to persuade you to follow their agenda. There are so many agendas and there are so many interest groups and lobby groups around us. And you, we fall victim to them because they keep putting up news and they keep putting up propagandas and try to get you into it. But look at all this from the perspective of the Christian values. What really matters? What really matters is life, the sanctity of life. What really matters is eternal life, salvation of mankind. What really matters is today, whatever I do, I need to give an account to God someday because I'm a steward of God's resources. What really matters is worship, worship God. High view of God, high view of Scripture really matters. What really matters is discipleship because we are called to be like Christ. Look at what's happening out there. Look, listening to all the voices, but always screen them through God's perspective, screen them through the biblical worldview, and screen them through Christian values. And finally, 
the fourth screening you have, you must have, is have the right eschatology. Have the right eschatology. We basically ask the question, where are we heading? Where is the world heading? Well, it is heading towards the preparation of the second coming of Christ. Let me read to you Matthew chapter 24 and just remind you that Jesus uh, gave us the signs of his second coming and see how close that is to us, how real that is to us today. He said you will hear wars and rumors of wars and nation will rise against nation, kingdom against pe kingdom, people against people. There'll be famines and earthquakes and there'll be tribulations and death and you'll be hated for my name's sake. People will hate you just because you are Christians. And don't you experience that? Don't you see that more and more? And some will fall away and you may be betrayed by one another, and they may hate one another. Then there'll be false prophets saying, Christ is here, Christ is there. And lawlessness will be increased, and the love of many will grow cold. You know, even as I read this portion of the prophetic words of Christ to us about his second coming, we feel so closely connected, because all that he said is revealing today more and more in us. So have a right eschatology. Once we understand the eschatology of, of the Bible, then we see all these things as natural happenings. We don't like it. We don't enjoy it. We feel anxious too, but those are natural happenings. The world is move, moving towards the second coming of Christ. So when we begin to screen all these voices, all these happenings with God's perspective, with the biblical worldview, with Christian values, with the right eschatology. We can be anxious, we can be worrisome, we can be affected, but we are at peace with God. We know that it is coming. We know that these are the things that has been taught in God's word. And even though we don't like it, but God controls, God reigns, God is in charge. I believe these four uh, screens will really help you to filter all the sayings and all the confusions around us for us to exercise and express the Spirit-revealed wisdom for us to live our lives today. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will continue to reveal your purpose to us because there are so many voices out there and trying to dictate, trying to persuade, trying to affect us. But I pray for our church that we'll be framed by the biblical perspective, by God's perspective, by the worldview being taught in the Bible, and by the values being gleaned from that worldview, and by the right eschatology as we are waiting for the second coming of Christ. And with all that happening and with all that understanding, we know that we can live with confidence by faith and not by sight, because the Spirit revealed to us this teaching in God's Word. Lord, give us that peace Give us that confidence as we live our day today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.